today at Kalos Church, we're asking the question, Why are you afraid? Boom! Boom! Welcome to Kalos Church. My name is Pradeep Jiva, And I'm Amrita. Kalos means beautiful in Greek. And our hope is that you'd experience the beauty of Jesus Christ today. And if you want to get beautiful Jesus kind of content like this every week, please subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on social media, or click on the link and join a house gathering today. Yes, we're so thankful that you're joining us. And before we hear a great message, we want to share some good news yeah. with you. And we want to pray together. And it's so cool because at our church, we actually stay connected all throughout the week. We yeah. have different ways that we do that. Mm -hmm. One of them is our Facebook group that we love so much to stay connected. Yeah. At our church, we don't want to just be a friendly church. We want to be a church of friends. And so we do, and we kind of know what's going on in each other's lives. And I love that. Well, the thing that we want to share today that is good news is that our Halloween outreach was a huge yeah. success. It was so fun. Many yeah. people came. We wanted to reach our community with the love of Jesus, even on Halloween. Yeah. And so we had kids that came dressed up. Mm -hmm. They stayed in their cars. We were CDC friendly. We had characters that that came to your car. I mean, it was just, it was just such so a blast. We had so such a good time. Thank you, Kalos Church, for loving mm -hmm. our community the way that you did. All of all of you that stepped in and helped out in a great way. Yeah. It was a huge win. And we thank God mm -hmm. for such an awesome mm -hmm. event. Amen. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to pray together. This is a very big week for mm -hmm. our nation. Yeah. And there are many different feelings happening. You may be feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. You may be just feeling excited. You may be just wondering what is going to happen. And we want to take time to respond as followers of Jesus yeah. and as the body of Christ. And the way that we do that is to pray. Yeah. We want to pray for our nation. We want to pray for uh, what's about to happen and take place in yes. this week. So would you join us mm -hmm. in prayer as we lift up our country right now? Mm. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are king over all. You are king yes. of our hearts. Yes. You are king of our nation. You are king of this world. Mm -hmm. And Father, we ask that your spirit would rest on our nation right now. Father, I pray that as we uh, experience this week, that as followers of Jesus, we would have a peace in our hearts, mm -hmm. that we would have a resolve in our hearts to trust in you, to make you our greatest allegiance, Father. And so, Lord, we know that you are in control. We love you. We give you our hearts, and we ask, Lord Jesus, that our nation, Lord, would uh, be filled with the Spirit of God this week. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for living and dwelling among us. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we have a special treat today. Pastor Ali is speaking as a guest pastor, and him and his wife, they planted a church in Silicon Valley in the same year Kalos Church yeah. started. They started meeting in a hotel just like us, and now they meet on the World Wide Web just like yeah. us. And uh, they've just been a huge blessing for us personally and in ministry life. We've learned a lot from them, and really, we believe that their influence, their ministry, and his message will bless you just like it's blessed us. So as he preaches this word today, hey, why don't we not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Good morning, Kalos Church. What's up? Who's excited to be in church today? My name is Ali. My beautiful wife and I, we started Center Set here in Silicon Valley two years ago. Actually, we started our church 
two weeks after you did in Kalos in Seattle. And I love your pastors, Amaritha and Pradeepan. You guys are amazing. Let me tell you how hard it is to start a church anywhere in America. 80% of churches close down. And not only your pastors, they've planted a, a surviving church, they've planted a thriving church. And not only are they thriving and growing in the middle of a pandemic, can you holler back at your boy for your pastors are literally amazing. I want to speak to you about this idea of fear because our minds is affected and listen, directed by the things that we think. Let me say that again. Our minds are affected and directed by the things that we think. And the Word of God has a lot to say about this subject of fear. Let me read you this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, Take every thought, take captive every thought, and make it obedient to Christ. If you're watching from home, maybe from a couch, maybe in a, a watch party with other Bible, people in a Bible study, take, say, take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And what Paul is saying is even if it doesn't want to be obedient, you make it. And often what Christians don't realize is that we have an open-door policy on our thought process. Fear, worry, anxiety, depression. Come on in. Whoever, whoever knocks on the door, there's no lock on this. Just come on in. And Paul's saying, no, you need a filter. You need a lock. Those things that are not from God, you need to make those things obedient to Christ. And let me read you one more verse around our theme this morning of fear. It comes from 1 John 4, 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love. Someone say perfect love drives out fear. It's not that you look at fear in the face and say, get out, because fear ain't going to leave. What you got to do is you got to invite love in, and love pushes fear out. I want to do something very different this morning. I want to make a, a prophetic declaration before we begin. I want you to repeat after me out loud, even if you're the only one or you're in a group of people, all of you say this together at the same time. Fear, I am serving you an eviction notice. You can no longer stay here. Let's repeat that again. Fear, I am serving you an eviction notice. You can no longer stay here here. Let me pray before we begin. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for speaking to us today. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Now, show of hands, I need audience participation. How many love roller coasters? Tap, tap that in the window, in the chat window. Just, I need some, who loves roller coasters? Come on. Nobody afraid. I remember as a, a child growing up during my adolescence, every summer going to theme parks, and every summer avoiding roller coasters because I was terrified. And I'd I, I make up like excuses like, oh my gosh, I love spinny rides, right? Like you gotta do something when you're at like these theme parks. But theme, spinny rides are boring, right? Like we, we pretend like, oh my gosh, you gotta go on teacups. They are crazy, but they're not. They're stupid. But we make excuses to, to play off this, this lie that we don't want to go on roller coasters because really we're afraid. And the year was 1989, the year of Bobby Brown, come on now, and Paula Abdul. It was the year the A's won the World Series and the God-anointed 49ers won the Super Bowl. It, it, there was so much glory in the San Francisco Bay Area that God had to send an earthquake because the world couldn't handle how much was happening here. It was the year that, that uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and what was the other movie? Uh, Back to the Future. This, is a, this was a blockbuster summer, and it was that summer that my friends and I decided to go to Great America. And uh, This was one of those years I thought this would be another year where I could push back going on roller coasters, but everything changed 
that summer. I remember we were walking around in the park. We just got there. And my friends uttered the words that I was terrified to hear. Allie, do you want to go on a roller coaster, roller coaster, roller coaster? You ever see those war movies, right, where a bomb goes off and everyone's deaf and everyone's like moving and slow? That's what it felt like. And I stumbled to get the words out. I, I, and my friend's like, Allie doesn't want to go on roller coasters. He's scared. He's a sissy. I'm like, no, I'm not. Next thing I know, I'm standing in line under this torture device for 45 minutes watching people scream out of their mind. Have you ever been somewhere physically? But listen, you are mentally not there. Come on, this is crazy. Uh, remember when you were in high school the last week? Like, you couldn't wait to get out. You were physically in high school, but you, listen, mentally you are somewhere else. Remember the, when, you, when you're leaving an old job, about to start a new one? You're physically there, but you are mentally. What about the, the week before you get married? You are so excited about marriage and the honeymoon and what's going to happen. It does not matter where you are physically. You are mentally not there. Listen, I'm in line at Great America, but I'm physically there, but I'm mentally. I am thinking about every excuse to get out of this place. I'm like, guys, I'm hungry. I need to use the restroom. I'm not even making sense. I'm like, guys, I am so thirsty. I need something to eat. And my friends, knowing the panic and the fear, like, Allie, look, look, look. See that girl right there? Bro, she's three. If she can do it, so can you. And like, guys, not only do I, am I afraid now, now I'm ashamed. And 45 minutes later, hearing this torture device, I find myself at the front of the line. Remember when you're at a roller coaster, they give you a row. My friend's like, we got to sit in the back. I'm like, why the back? Like the G-forces are the strongest. And did I tell you the name of this ride is the Demon? It's like, come on. You remember, this is 1989. There are no like YouTube videos where you can watch what you're getting yourself into. I have literally no clue what I've signed up for. I'm sitting down, and, and, and as I get into the, the roller coaster, I have every intention of stepping in and then stepping right out. I, I don't want to be in this thing. My friends grab me, hold me. They're laughing. Ah, ah, I'm not afraid. And they, the, the, the thing comes down. They lock me in place. And at this point, you ever see a lamb right before they kill it? Just silent. That's how scared I am. My heart is coming through my chest. I am silent. And I literally close my eyes, and all I hear is us going through the roller coaster, and we enter a dark tunnel. I'm not, I don't even have the courage to open up my eyes. And I hear the and we're leaning back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going up. And I, I think I pass out, I wake up, we're still going up. That's how high we were going. We get to about a thousand feet, or what felt like a thousand feet. We get to the top, I look down, and I let out a 12-year-old girl, like a girl at a Justin Bieber concert, right? Not very manly, like, no, it wasn't one of those. It was like a scream that your husband screams when he sees spiders, one of those screams. And we go around turns and loops and corkscrews, and about a minute and a half later of not breathing, we finally stop. My friend's like, what do you think? I'm like, that was awesome! I couldn't wait to go again! But what is crazy is what was going on in my mind for those 45 minutes. One thought of fear had completely affected and directed my body, my mind, my physical capacity, my nervous system. I was sweating in places I can't even mention in church. One thought of fear. My question for you this morning is what do you fear? Some of you, you might say spiders or math. Those are like surface level fears. What about real fears, if you're honest this morning? Maybe you're afraid of being single. Maybe you're afraid of marrying the wrong person. Maybe you're afraid of a, a loved one passing away. Maybe you fear something terrible, things that you can't even mention happening to your children if you're not there to protect them. 
We all have fears. Let me read you the definition of what fear is. Fear is worry about something that is bad or unpleasant. I can speak about this subject because I actually have a master's degree in fear, not from school, but from life. Uh, ever since a young age, I have always been afraid of everything. It began with the dark, and then it began with spiders, and when you're small, they're like, you'll grow out of it. You do not outgrow fear. Listen, I was 29 years old. It was one of those days where I went to church early on Sunday morning. It was one of those days where like, you hang out with all your friends and have lunch, and then lunch turns into dinner, and then dinner turns into a movie. By the time I'm coming home after church, it's been a 10, 12-hour day. I am exhausted. And I remember walking into my room and seeing right in front of me on my wall, it's literally a green, what looked like a demon, you would call it a spider, but it was a demon the size of a baseball on my wall. Uh, my butt cheeks clenched in Jesus' name. I, I closed the door and I walked outside the house and I called my friend sitting in my car. I said, bro, do you love me? He's like, why are you? I'm like, just listen, do you love me? He said, yes. I said, do you want your friend to suffer? He said, no. I said, you need to come to my house right now because I need you to kill this spider. He was laughing. That's why I'm in therapy right now. I had to sit in my car, listen, for an hour until he came and killed that spider. And they say, oh, you're going to outgrow this when you get older. No. Listen, fear is not just a thought. It is a spirit. Let me read you what 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound Mind. Listen, if, if God is declaring that fear is a spirit and he's not the one giving it, my question is, who is? It's the enemy. He can't control you, so he wants to affect and direct your thought process. He wants to hold you back from your God-given destiny. So he'll use anything he can, fear, to hold you back. So what is God giving you? God gives you power, love, and a sound mind. I find it so interesting that God, the second thing on that list is love. Because it's not you that drives out fear. It's not your prayers that drive out fear. It's love that drives out fear. It's almost as God is trying to tell us, the only way this thing's going to go away is if more of me and my love comes in. And often when we grow up, we think we outgrow fear. But it just shifts from one thing to the next. And it went from the dark to spiders to even fear of doing ministry. I remember when I was 30 years old, God very clearly spoke to me to start a church to reach unchurched people. And I remember it was not the fact that I am the only man in my family that is a Christian. I was saved at 24, came out of a Muslim faith. I'm the only man in my family that's a Christian. Never finished seminary, never worked at a church. I had just been an engineer for 14 years, and God says, start a church to reach unchurched people. But it wasn't the fear of failing that was holding me back. It was the fear of living. See, I was making engineering money crazy, like almost monopoly money. And the fear of getting paid peanuts. Like I love salted and roasted peanuts, but no one wants to live off that stuff. And literally every single day, not for days, not for weeks, for months, I would sit in bed and wake up early in the morning and be paralyzed with fear. And the weight of the calling kept growing and growing, where if I knew if I didn't start a church, I would be disobedient to God. And yet at the same time, the fear of stepping out was paralyzing. I felt like I was in line at Great America again. 
irrational fears. And it was in that moment, that season of my life, where the presence of God came into my room. And he said, Ali, who's going to take care of you? Me or money? And in one moment, God changed my mind. He set me free from my fears. Love, perfect love, drives out fear. I'm not sure who needs to hear this, but who needs to be reminded that you can trust God, that if he didn't let you down then, he's not going to do it. He's not going to let you down now. If he did it once, he can do it again. It was God who set me free from pornography. It was God who set me free from alcoholism. It was God who didn't just give me a good heart, but a new heart. He had radically transformed me. If he didn't let me down then, why would he now? Someone needs to hear this. Most people don't give to God, not because they're greedy, but because they're afraid. And God doesn't want you to be controlled, affected, and directed by fear. God wants to teach you how to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And I recognized this was not a, a, a one-time prayer. I needed a process of finding healing, a process of finding freedom in Christ. And I recognized a pattern that my grandparents had struggled with this fear, my parents had struggled with this fear, and they just pass it down to me. If I can speak to you, church, overcome your issues, or are you going to give them to your kids? The scriptures are very clear. For the next six to eight weeks, I did what the Bible told me to do. I didn't tell fear to get out, because fear won't leave when you do that. I told love to come in, because I knew that perfect love, listen, it drives out fear. I put on headphones every night, and for 70 plus days, I prayed, I worshiped, I reminded myself of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And in that season of my life, God broke this spirit of fear over me. And God wants to do the exact same thing to you. Some of you have struggled. Listen, your entire life with fear of rejection, with fear of man, with fear of failing. And God wants to change you, not by giving you a spirit that's going to empower you to do what you don't. He's going to change your mind. He wants to teach you, take those negative thoughts, those thoughts that come from a spirit of fear, and you make them obedient to Christ. I got three points this morning that I need you to write down. Listen, they say if you take notes in church, you are 95% more likely to go to heaven. I, I'm just teasing, I'm teasing. The number is actually 96%. It's much, much higher. But the first thing I want you to write down is this. We fear because we lack confidence in Jesus. We fear because we lack confidence. We don't know if he's going to turn it out the way we want. So because we doubt his character, we fear. This is, we're not the only ones to do this, by the way. The disciples, a.k.a. the interns, they had the same struggle. Jesus spent the whole day teaching and preaching. And then he goes, guys, get on this boat. Let's cross to the other side. And he, Jesus is so tired, he goes down to the bottom of the boat. And the Bible says that out of nowhere, out of the blue, a storm that, that causes these fishermen, professional boaters, to freak out. They're, they're going, where is Jesus? They go down to the bottom of the boat and they're like, Jesus, are you not watching? Are you not recognizing what's happening. We're going in the middle of a storm and you're sleeping. Don't you care? Does it not often feel like God is sleeping in the middle of our storms? We are six and a half months in the middle of a global pandemic. God, where are you? Well, not only that, we are in the middle of a recession in our country. BLM is blowing up. feels like there is a storm happening in this country. And we are, God, are you sleeping on our prayers? And God wakes up, and what he does is remarkable. He addresses the root issue. Look what he says in, in, at this verse. 
Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, he says, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. Anybody grateful that God can look at our storms, that he has the power, no matter what obstacle, no matter what pain, no matter what trial, no matter what financial crisis, storm you're going through, God has the, the power to calm any storm. And what's so crazy is he doesn't say, God, what are, what are your fears? List me your phobias. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is essentially saying to them, oh, ye of little faith. He addresses the root issue, their lack of faith. He says, why are you afraid? I'm in the boat with you. Isn't that interesting that intimacy and relationship build Trust. You don't trust people you don't know. Like, you would never give someone your cell phone. Say, hey, can you watch this for a week? Some of you struggle with giving your cell phone to your spouse. That's another sermon for another day. But most people trust their cell phone with people that they know. My question for this morning is, how well do you know Jesus? Because maybe the reason you fear, the reason that you lack confidence is because you are not close to him. And Jesus wants to help you in this area. Because where does peace come from? Jesus answers that question in Isaiah 26, verse 3. He said, I need you to read this verse and memorize it this week. You, you being God, will keep him in perfect peace. Peace. I am so grateful that our God does not give us partial peace, but perfect peace. Does he give it to everyone? Is that what this verse is saying? He says, he will give perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Listen, it's when your mind is fixed on God that he gives you perfect peace. And Jesus is addressing the issue. Fear comes from worry. Worry comes from a lack of faith, and a lack of faith comes from our mind not being fixed on God. Let me say that again. Fear comes from worry, and worry comes from a lack of faith, and a lack of faith, listen to me, church, comes from our mind not being fixed on God. And God is saying, if you keep your mind fixed on me, he's the one that's going to drive out fear, drive out anxiety, drive out those storms that are in your life. Some of you are going through a storm. Some of you are overcome by a, a fear of failure, a fear of rejection, a fear of man, and you have thought that that is the declaration over your life. You don't have to live under the guise of fear. God says, take every thought, make it obedient to Christ. And when you declare his love over your life, love will drive out the fear. Does anyone need to hear this hope-filled message this morning? I'm not sure about you, but I need my mind controlled by God. I need to filter. I need to lock on the door of my mind because I'm constantly worried, constantly fearful over the things that are not of God, that, he's, that the enemy wants to use and hold me back because he can't control me. But listen, if he can get into my mind, he can affect and direct me. We fear, church, because we lack confidence in Jesus. And number two, write this down. Don't feed fear. Fear is, has a ferocious appetite. Fear is that friend you take to the buffet line and they don't stop eating. Fear is never satisfied. Fear assumes the worst. Faith assumes the best. Fear looks at a situation when you want to start a business, when you want to ask her out, when you want to step out for God. Fear says it's going to fail. She's going to say no. This business is going to go bankrupt. Faith says the best is yet to come. That no matter what happens, no matter what storm I'm going through, peace is with me. That I'm going to be okay. Listen, God doesn't just want you to not feed fear. He doesn't want you to entertain it either. Our country is crazy. 
we will drive every Monday morning in an hour in traffic to work, work a nine-hour day, and then drive home another hour. Not only will we do that once on Monday, we'll do that five days in a row. Friday evening comes around, TGIF, thank God the week is over, the weekend's about to begin, and then listen, we will pay someone to let us be scared for an hour and a half Listen, to, to watch a horror movie. How is that fun? Listen, that is crazy to sit there with your butt cheeks clenched for an hour and a half. That's not entertainment. God is saying, don't feed fear. Fear is not a movie. Fear is not a thought. Fear is not something little kids struggle with. Fear is a spirit, and it wants to get on you. It wants to affect your mind, affect your life, and direct and move you in a way that's not contra it's contrary to God. And God is saying, I'm not sure where you realize what fear is coming from. It can come from abuse. It can come from movie. It can come from a lack. But no matter where it's coming from, God wants you to take every thought captive. Listen, and make it obedient to Christ. Don't feed fear. And I have an illustration with me this morning. I got jackets, four of them on this rack, and each one of these jackets represents the thoughts that we have. And God wants us to guard our mind and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So what literally what God wants to do is come up to this jacket and say, God, is this something you want me to wear? This thought, this, this idea. And if he says no, say no. Is this something you want me to wear? And if he says no, you, you, don't, you don't wear it. Is this something you want me to have? If he says no, don't wear it. But if this is something he wants me to wear, then, then you, he wants you to put it on. He wants you to embrace that thought. So, some of you have embraced the identity of, of fear and you're like, oh, I'm shy. That is not your identity. You are who God says you are. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. But often, instead of keeping the good thoughts, what we do is we, we get rid of the good thoughts and we put on the bad thoughts and we embrace and we start playing patty cake and we put on this, this identity of fear. Oh, I'm shy. That's not who you are. You are as bold as a lion. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are who God says that you are. And too often, we put on these, these, these negative thoughts, these thoughts of fear, and it becomes part of us. And we become oppressed, depressed, and stressed by the things that the enemy meant to destroy us with. And we put it on like a jacket, and it becomes our identity. And God is saying, enough. I want you to take every thought captive and make it obedient. You need a filter. God wants to change the way that you think. But he won't do it for you. You get to choose who comes to your party of your mind. And God is saying, it's, it, when you are dominated by fear, perfect love, when you invite me in, perfect love drives out fear. And he gives another promise in, in John chapter 14. He says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. The, the, what God is saying is that peace is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of someone. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world wants to give you imitation peace. Peace that you think is peaceful when you sit on a beach somewhere. Peace when you think you have a, a large 401k that's going to take care of you. Peace where you have that house, the car, the wife, the kids. You think that someone following you on Instagram, that celebrity liking one of your pictures, that's going to give you peace. Let me tell you, there are tons of people in America that have all those things, but they still lack 
peace. I love how this verse ends. It says, and, and, and let, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why? Because God, the most repeated command in the Bible, it says, do not be afraid. 365 times, God says, do not be afraid. Why? One for every day of the week so that you don't have to be dominated by fear, but you can live in perfect peace with him. And then the, the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 4. It says, do not be anxious about anything. When I read that, I'm like, Bro, do you even know what we're going through? We're seven months in a planned pandemic. BLM is blowing up in every part of this country. There is Republican, Democratic tension. Like, it is crazy. This is the craziest year in the last 120, 20. Do not be anxious. Are you kidding me? This is a man who is well acquainted with pain and suffering. This man who was beaten, bruised, abandoned, shipwrecked, and he's writing this letter, listen, from jail. He's well acquainted. Anything you're going through, he's going through too. And he wants to remind us, I got 99 problems, but a God ain't one. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every marriage problem, in every parenting problem, in every global pandemic, in every problem with your kids, in every financial problem, no matter what you are going through, in every situation, bring your request by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Don't just thank God for what he's going to do. That doesn't take faith. Thank him before he does it. Thank him because he did it in the past. He's going to do it again. And then the promise comes. Present your request to God. Are you ready for the promise of this verse? It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. What is Paul trying to say? It won't even make sense. Fear will come and it's zero to 100 real quick. But the peace of God will take fear from zero to 100 even faster. You will come to work. You will go to church. And your life can be in the middle of a storm. And people will look at you like, dude, how are you still smiling? How are you still joyful? Like, man, 10 years ago, I would have went to a joint. 10 years ago, I would have went to porn. 10 years ago, I would have went to the club. But God has given me a peace that surpasses all understanding. That doesn't even make sense. And then watch how this verse ends. And it will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the battle is always won in your mind. Fear is a spirit that wants to get on you. And God wants you to not feed fear. He wants you to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. For too long, you've had no filter, no lock on the door, and fear, anxiety, worry, depression have been knocking on your door and walking in. And God's saying, let me be the security guard. Let me stand by the door. And if it's not of me, I will make it obedient. God is giving you that power that when you are dominated by fear, invite love in. And perfect love, listen, will drive out the fear. We fear, church, because we lack confidence in God. And we need to overcome fear, listen, by not feeding it. And number three, if you do those first two things, this is the natural byproduct. Number three is this, that we begin to enjoy confidence in and with God. That we begin to enjoy confidence in and with God. Some of you, you can't even imagine a day without fear. It has been part of the rhythm of your life for so long, you've almost put it on like a jacket. It's now your identity. God wants to change your life by changing the way that you think. I know your grandparents may have struggled with this issue. I know your parents may have struggled with this issue. I know that you have struggled with this issue. But if you don't deal with your issues, listen to me. You're going to pass them on to your kids. Don't give fear to your kids. Give them faith. 
hope and love. Look what God says in Joshua chapter 1. God says, have I not commanded you? It's past the point of a suggestion. He is commanding us now. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why is God saying don't be discouraged? Because discouragement is the ugly cousin of fear. That when you submit to fear, though you will more than likely be also discouraged. And what God is saying is that when you give your faith to God, when you take every thought and make it obedient to Christ, not only does God's perfect love drive out fear, he kicks out its ugly cousin discouragement too. How do you want me to do this, Pastor? How can I be strong and not discouraged? Do you want me to look in the mirror like Deepak Chopra and Tony Robbins and encourage myself and have positive vibes? I know those things sound good on social media, but that is not God's answer. God's answer is right there at the end of this verse. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Meaning there's no place, no valley, no pit, no hell, no divorce, no diagnosis from a doctor where God will let go of your hand and says, I'm not going with you. No matter what you go through, no matter how far you feel like you are from him and his blessings, God will never leave you or forsake you. God does not promise to remove the pain. God promises to stand with you in it. That's the promise. That's why you don't have to be afraid like the disciples. Not because it's the absence of problems, but the presence of someone. Jesus is with you. Read this next verse with me. I give this verse to my daughter every day. Psalm 56, verse 3 says, When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And I say, Sophia, when you, are, when you are fearful, when you're calling out to dad and dad can't hear you, say, Jesus, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. This is what the disciples did. They ran to Jesus in their fear. When you are afraid, run to him. Psalm 56, Psalm 34, verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Often we think that God will take care of some of our fears, some of our anxiety, some of our depression. And God's saying, no, 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 I want all of it all of your worry, all of your anxiety, all of your fear. I want to handle all of it. I want to change your life so that it looks different, so that you are no longer affected and directed by fear, but by faith. And it doesn't happen with a one-time prayer. It is a process of you inviting love in and love driving out the fear. That first verse that I read from you from 1 John 4 says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives after it. Let me read you the verses surrounding that verse. In 1 John 4, starting at verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. You ever hear that song, what, what's love got to do with it? What the heck is going on? It has everything to do with it. Love saved us, love transformed us, love sustained us. Is there anyone this morning that is grateful for the love of God? But what is so crazy about this verse is that we think that God's love is just for us. It's not. Any blessing that God gives you is not just for you. He wants to give it through you. It's not just for you. This is why church is so important. This is why growth track is so important. This is why the dream team is so important. This is why groups are so important. God wants to use you the same way that you receive that love. He wants to pour it through you to be a blessing to someone else. God doesn't just bless you to bless you, church. He blesses you so that you can be a blessing. God wants to use you. He wants to make you a plate where he serves the, the, the meal of his love to a lost and hurting world. Do you know when church becomes fun, church? When you stop coming for you. When you realize he wants us to love other people. And then it continues. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God doesn't try to be loving. He, it, you and I have to try. We have to work hard to plan dates and be romantic. God is love. And then it continues. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. God is redefining what love is. Not that we love God. We may love Chick-fil-A. We may love In-N-Out. We may love Lamp. But God is redefining love. This is love. Not that he loved, not that we love God, but God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved us at our worst when we deserved when we, and he gave us his best. This amazing grace that God gives us. God didn't love us when we were his friends. God loved us when we were his enemies. And it continues, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And it continues at verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. That's our starting verse. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Do you want to overcome your fear this morning, church? You got to get more love. See, the world will tell you to look in the mirror and think positive vibes and face your fears. And the Bible's saying that you and I are not enough, that we can't do it on our own strength, that the formula is not us pushing fear out and facing it, the formula is getting more of God's love in. And then perfect love will drive it out. It was the love of God that God created the world. It was the love of God that when we sinned against God, that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. It was the love of God why God wants to be with us in eternity forever. And listen, it is the love of God that makes even judgment make sense. It talks about that verse. That often we fear judgment. We fear that final day. But the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That even though we are guilty before God, we can stand blameless before him because of what Jesus has done for us. It is the love of God that drives out fear. If I can get this thought into your mind, church, we need a fresh, a new, a, a powerful revelation of love that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, though whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God, not, God, not, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save it. He loves you, church. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you when he knows what you did last night. He loves you even in your worst mistakes. He loves you from your past, in your future. There is nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. It's not you. It's not your power. It's not your strength that's going to drive out love. It's it, it drive out fear. It's his love that when you get it in, when you get a fresh revelation of how much he loves you, that he loves you at your worst. When we deserved his, his punishment, he sent his son to be punished for us because he loves us. You need a fresh revelation of God's love. Church, he loves you. Listen, he loves you. You don't need to be dominated by fear. You don't need to be affected and directed by thoughts that are consuming you. God loves you. 
God loves you and he wants to teach you how to take every thought, listen, captive and make it obedient to Christ because perfect love drives out fear. I feel so led to pray for you, church, this morning. If you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. God, I pray for the church this morning. God, I pray for people who have been dominated by fear their whole life. Fear of man, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of stepping out, fear of failing, God. Fear of not being enough. Fears that we all have, God. This spirit does not just come on some. It affects all of us, God. God, thank you so much that you give us the weapons of our warfare, that we can take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And when we are dominated by thoughts of fear, it's not that our prayers, it's not our strength that pushes fear out. It's when we invite love to come in, when we invite you, Jesus, to come in, when we get closer to you, when we stop feeding fear, because perfect love, it drives out fear. Church, when you sing to God this morning, be reminded of his love for you. I just feel so led to pray for some of you this morning that do not have a relationship with this Jesus who loves you so much that he knows everything you've ever done and he still loves you. He's seen everything you've ever did and he still loves you. He's seen every mistake, every shortcoming and he still left heaven to die on a cross for your sins. This God loved you so much, he was willing to die to have a relationship with you. I remember there was a gentleman this last week that sat down with me and said, Ali, what do I need to do to be a Christian? It's a great question. Nothing. The work of a Christian is to simply believe in Jesus. Salvation comes by faith alone, through grace alone. By believing that Jesus died on a cross for you because he loves you. That's the first step in driving out fear, is inviting love in. And for those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus, I wanna count to three. Would you just be willing to raise your hand, maybe click that button, fill out a connect card to say, yes, Pastor Ali, I wanna pray this prayer with you. One, two, three. Put your hands up in your room, even if you're by yourself. Listen, you're not raising your hand for me. You're raising your hand for God, who sees your heart. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Thank you, Jesus, that you love me, that you died on a cross for me, that I don't need to have my life dominated and affected by fear anymore, but your perfect love is gonna come in and it's gonna drive it out. I receive your sacrifice for me. Thank you, God, for this love. I wanna share this love with others. If you pray that prayer, church, we would love to celebrate with you. Be blessed and have a great Sunday. What a powerful message. Thank you, Pastor Ali, for sharing that with us. And if you listen and you made the decision to follow Jesus, please text the number on the screen yeah. so that we can follow mm -hmm. up with you. And right now, we're going to transition into a time of worshiping the Lord with our finances. Yeah. We love to be biblical stewards with our finances. We love to invest into life change, and we have such a generous church. And we want to share a message, one of those life change moments with you right now as we prepare to give. And there's a link on the screen for ways you can digitally give. And so let's watch this video right now. Hey, Kalos. My name is Philip Silva, and I've been really enjoying the house gatherings. You know how Jesus did that back in the day, how it was part of his ministry, how he started 
you know, ministering and he moved in people's homes. You know, he when he went to people's homes and he broke bread with them and his presence, people were changed because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in home gatherings again. It's been really awesome to see God move in such a real way and for people to put things into perspective and to kind of see that church isn't a building, church isn't a religion, it's us. We are the church. People gathering and having experiences with God in the church. It's just been really wonderful to see kind of history repeat itself in a way where Jesus, you know, moved in the homes. And I think that's really exciting to think about. Wow, what a powerful testimony of how God is transforming lives here at Kalos Church. I love hearing those stories. Yeah. Well, we are about to finish our service, but we want to give you just a couple of announcements. Mm -hmm. And that is, it is not too late to join House Gathering. Go ahead, click on the link right now. It's really fun to be together on Sunday mornings mm -hmm. in a safe way yes. and worship God together in these services. We also still have small groups that are happening all throughout the week. If you are alone, if you're feeling like you need friendship, if you're feeling you just need some consistent godly people in your life, yeah. please join a small mm -hmm. group. It's one of the best ways to truly get connected with one another. And we're going to worship God here with music here in just a second. But before we go, let me bless you before you leave. May you know and make known the beauty of Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.